Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, April 15, 2013. Today we're reading from the big book. You're going to find us in the doctor's opinion on page XXIX, the first full paragraph, beginning with, on the other hand. Today's readers are Rick, Judy B., Rebecca, and Penny E. And the share code for yesterday's meeting, that's Sunday, April 14th, Allergy of the Body, share code 4272. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Lois to read the 12 steps. Lois, star one to unmute. Good morning, Leah. I can do that. Thank you. This is Melanie, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Oregon. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
He tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles on all our affairs. Pass. Thank you. I will now call on Meg to read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Leah. Hello, this is Meg O. in Vermont. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And I am searching for the 12 traditions in my book. Oh, and then. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, every Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such are never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Meg. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers 
should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are in the doctor's opinion on page XXIX, the very first full paragraph beginning with, on the other hand, and I will ask Rick to begin reading, please. Good morning. My name is Rick. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. On the other hand, and strange as this may seem to those who do not understand, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol, the only effort necessary being that it requires to follow a few simple rules. So uh, here we are in the doctor's opinion, and the doctor in his letter is primarily telling us about the illness of alcoholism. Um, In the previous paragraphs, he went into great detail and told us that it's a two-fold illness of mind and body, and um, he went on to say even why why people drink. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect. So the doctor is giving his medical opinion of the disease. Now in this paragraph, on the other hand, he's going to start to introduce the solution. Now he's not going to go into big details about the solution. He's going to leave that to the text, to the alcoholics. But he's he's giving us a a little preview of what the program's going to be about. And he says, it's strange, as this may seem to those that do not understand, that once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. Strange as it may seem, the doctor doesn't claim to understand completely what the solution is. The doctor's not an alcoholic. But he's letting us know that even after the desperation that he just described, that there is a solution. And that's what this book is going to be about. So uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rick. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Thank God, and on the other hand, thank God. You know, I, I got a lot of phone calls and had a lot of discussions about our meeting on Friday, and people have been listening to it four times, five times over the weekend. That's a pretty bleak picture. That's a pretty bleak picture. We have an allergy of the body that is going to require us to eat once we ingest those substances. But even more dastardly, we have a mind that's going to tell us to go back to that allergy regardless how long we've been aside, been away from it. So on the other hand, thank you, God, there's another hand. You know, once a psychic change has occurred, that very same person who seemed doomed, and that's what we read about on Friday, that seemed pretty doomed, who had so many problems he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to, desi- to control his desire for alcohol. And, I, you know, people talk to him. We've been away for decades. There's been no suddenly. We're still binging our brains out. We're still hoping to have two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, just when we've been in LA for 20 years. And I think that's because we have lost our way. 
we thought abstinence was the answer. We stared at food plans and thought, why aren't I... Why am I still thinking about the food? Why is there not on another hand? Why is there no suddenly? Because that has nothing to do with the psychic change. What is that psychic change? And I'm going to read on page 27. I think it's a great description when, when uh, Carl Jung is telling Roland Hazard. He says, here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have, have had what we are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are sudden, suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. And that is not going to happen from a food plan. That is not going to happen from abstinence. So how can we suddenly find ourselves able to control that desire for the food? The only effort necessary being that we're required to follow a few simple rules. And those few simple rules are the steps. It is only by implementing these steps and establishing a relationship with God, unblocking ourselves from the sunlight of the Spirit, that we're going we're gonna to have this psychic change that's sufficient to bring about recovery. And why does it seem suddenly? Because when we put the food down and get the focus off the food and get the focus on the steps, we are focused on the steps and then we're not thinking about the food and then when we have that psychic change, it's like, how did that happen? How did that happen? I wasn't trying to control the disease anymore. I was seeking recovery. So thank you, God, that there is on the other hand. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Esther. Esther, good morning. Good morning. My name is Esther. I'm a compulsive overeater in Canada. The cycle of disease that was described in the previous paragraph that we all know so well, binge, remorse, Resolution to change, once again, discontent, binge, remorse, over and over again. This is going to continue, this cycle, over and over again. And that was my experience, over and over again, faster and faster, until a psychic change occurred. So why does a psychic cha- what does a psychic change do? When I experience a psychic change as a result of doing the steps according to the instructions outlined in, the, in this book, I now live a God-centered life. I'm unblocked from my higher power. And I have access to that power. And and God could do, will do what I could not, and that is break me free from that awful cycle, that awful cycle of compulsive overeating. So that's why the psychic change can do instantly, once we've done the steps, what we couldn't do. We now have access to power, and that power will break us free. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This would be Paula Mashia. Of course, Paula. Good morning. Thank you, and good morning to you. This would be Paula Recovered Compulsive Rita. You know, we ended with an ex- entire psychic change. There is very little hope of his recovery. Very little hope. Didn't say no hope. Now look at what happened. The next line, on the other hand, now the hope. As strange as this may seem in those who do not understand, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person 
who seemed doomed, who had so many problems. He despaired of ever solving them and suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. What happened? Didn't even mention the word alcohol. It wasn't alcohol. His desire. There the transformation. There we see it. And all of these things we read about, we'll read about them continually in the big book. And you're right, it says, it says very clearly, follow a few simple rules. I didn't find them so simple. And I found them very, very hard to follow. Until that first step, everything was put down. There was no defense left in me. No defense left in me. And I realized that was the first step totally and completely taken. And once that was done, then I could go on and I could follow. But by the way, as you read the steps, read each and every one of them. I could live each and every one of them because I saw God in every one of them. And I had known then that transformation had taken place. And as it said in 567, the end of the book, the spiritual experience, you know, like we weren't all like Bill W. And then, whoof, Whoa, that mountaintop experience. Nah, some of us were crawling on our bellies for quite a while. I crawl on my belly. It was all right. For I'll tell you, I stand. Today, I stand. And it says, quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. But look at here. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life that such a change could hardly have been taken by him, brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. And this is where the difference is. Something has been added here, and that's it, an entire psychic change. Mm-mm, no partway here. That's one thing this book is very clear about. There's no halfway measures. But with that, with that, a total transformation. And with God, they do become a few simple rules that I gratefully follow. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you. Anyone else like to yes, comment? Good on morning, Leah. Penny E. Penny E. Go ahead. Thanks. Good morning, everybody. Penny E., a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. This psychic change, the gold ring, the gold medal, uh, you know, it's not about losing weight and getting into a normal body size and maintaining our weight loss, although that was the, the motivation. And I'm here to say that that has been my experience, absolutely. But greater than that, the more important, the greater part of our disease, the psychic change that has to happen, that must happen. This is a promise. Once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed, who seemed doomed, who had so many problems he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. That's me, that's me, and hundreds of us, many, many, many of us on this line through the grace of God. What's so important to me is that for so many years, we all have been, more, we all, many of us in Overeaters Anonymous thought that the gold ring, the, 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 the goal was to get into that normal body size. You know, that's it. So we wrote our food down, we weighed and measured, we marketed, we called it in. If we had to make a change, we called our sponsor, you know, so on and so forth. Totally, totally 
diminishing, minimizing the importance of this psychic change, the greater aspect of our recovery. And so I want to say, you know, what is that? What does it look like? Psychic change. You know, psychic change. It's like Peter Piper picked a peck of pickle peppers. You know, transformation. Yeah, what does it look like? Well, first of all, the psychic change says uh, the, the um, definition is pertaining to the human mind or soul or spirit. It's a change of thought. It's a change of our thought. So from step one, you know, I have had a change of thought. I know that I'm powerless. I know that I have an allergy. I know that my life is unmanageable. Step two, I've had a change, change of thought. I I totally know that God can restore me to sanity. I used to think, you know, the diet pills could restore me to sanity or those weight loss programs could restore me to sanity. No, that's not what this book says. You know, the third step also a psychic change. I totally turn my will over to the care of God as I understand him and then work the steps on a daily basis, constantly, 24 hours, seven days a week. That's my goal. That's my goal. When something happens today, you know, I I have um, started with my sponsees and I do with my sponsor. When something comes up for me today, if I'm angry, if I'm excited, if I'm... um, any of those jealous, uh, dishonest, I call my sponsor. You know, I'm so used to calling the sponsor when I change from an apple to a pear. You know, but what about all this other stuff in my head, the psychic change that I'm reaching for? Call my sponsor. Help me get through this, this, this anger, this resentment. So the psychic change for me is I don't point the finger anymore at anybody else. You know, it's a spiritual axiom, step 10, that when somebody else makes me upset, I have to take a look at myself. There are no exceptions. That's a psychic change. No matter what happens, no matter what happens, I have to take a look at my part. This is what I have to um, exercise every single day. You know, where was I wrong? Making an amends as quickly as I can, a spot check inventory. Um, this is the nitty-gritty. This is what separates those of us who are dieting with support from recovered compulsive overeaters. So if you're new, if you're struggling, please hang on to this line, stay afterwards, ask questions, and don't give up. There's hope. There's hope. I was a person who could not stop eating, couldn't, had my jaws wired shut, could not stop eating. And today, for many, many, many years, I recoil as if from a hot flame. If they told me I was going to die, you know, at uh, 9 o'clock this morning, I maybe would call my sponsor and say, I'd like to have lunch a little bit earlier. God forbid, I don't want to miss a meal. But uh, that's a joke. Um, You know? That's it. Thanks, everybody. Love you, and uh, have a God-filled day. Thank you, Penny. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, too, would like to comment on this. It says, on the other hand, and strange as this may seem to those who do not understand, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. Um, On the other hand, and strange as, as this may seem to those who do not understand, once a psychic change, that psychic change... That terminology, it's, it's the same as spiritual awakening, 
as spiritual experience, as personality change. That is the whole point of the program. That is the whole point of us meeting every morning on this line. The whole journey, the whole journey takes us to step 12. And the whole point of joining OA and moving all through the steps is to take us to step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. That, that's the key here. That's the goal. That's the aim. That's the objective. Is this personality change, this spiritual awakening, because... <laughs> With this spiritual awakening, we will be restored to sanity. We will have soundness of mind. We will be relieved of the obsession to use. We will be freed from the beast. We won't have that voice whispering in our ear any longer. This is about the raising of the dead. Dr. William Silkworth saw this himself. He didn't understand it completely, but he's here to endorse it. That people who seemed doomed, people who were enslaved by alcoholism, could rise up out of a seemingly, it seemed hopeless, rise up out of a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. That is what he was witnessing. And that is the whole point of this program of recovery. That's the whole point of implementing these steps that we will be restored to sanity, that we will be easily able to control our desire for alcohol, in our case, our trigger foods, the only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. And, of course, these simple rules are the 12 steps. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. But we know what the goal is. We know what the aim is. We know what the objective is. And it is a spiritual awakening, a psychic change, a personality change. That is the whole point of us being together on this line. Against all odds, I was supposed to self-destruct. But because of this program of recovery and the transformation that was possible... Two things happen. One, I got abstinent. I stayed abstinent. And number two, the obsession of the mind was expelled. And I became happily and usefully whole. This is not about glorification of self. This is about getting out of your own way so that the grace of God can restore you to sanity. This is a message from hopelessness to hope. And since God resides within each of us equally, we all have the same spiritual potential, the same potential to live a life of freedom. And with that, I pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Okay, it may seem strange to those who do not understand, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem strange? If you're not there yet, it must seem strange. It certainly seemed strange to me when I was not there yet. Because the spiritual awakening that you and I are after, that you and I have to have, if you're the kind of compulsive overeater that I am, that spiritual awakening comes in a process. Comes in a process. You know, for Bill W., thank you, God, he had this incredibly sudden 
and wonderful and overwhelming God experience. But mine didn't happen that way. Mine happened in a process. And it was the process of the 12 steps. You know, it says in step 12, in the 12 and 12, when a man or a woman has had a spiritual awakening, the most important meaning of it is that he has now become able to do, feel, and believe that which he could not do before on his own unaided strength and resources alone. He's been granted a gift, which amounts to a new state of consciousness and being. But that new state of consciousness and being, he had to prepare himself to receive. He had, in some small part, it says, made himself ready to receive it. And that's what they're talking about in the process of the 12 steps. You know, I had to make myself ready to receive it. And one day at a time, I still have to make myself ready to receive it, just for today. Just for today. Because when that psychic change occurs, it must occur every day. You know, we, we take it upon ourselves to repeat this process every day. Maybe not the same way we did it when we first work through the 12 steps, but we still do it every day. It's what Penny was talking about. You know, it becomes a process. It becomes a design for living. It becomes a way of life. But without that, I was doomed. And without that, I would still be doomed. I would still be doomed. But now, I have a few simple rules that I follow. And they were rules that came about in that process. It's a happening. It's a happening. And it's happening to me today. And I pray that it happens for you too, if you're the kind of compulsive overeater that I was doomed, helpless, and hopeless, and despairing, because I could not stop compulsively overeating. No matter how great the desire or the wish, I could not stop. And today, I know this power greater than myself. Today, I know that this power source, this God of my understanding, is what I was lacking before. And so I'm going to do with great duty and pleasure and obligation what I did yesterday to try to stay in that place. And that's, that is our aim and our goal and our objective. At least it is for me today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Let's move on to the next paragraph now with Judy B., please. This is Judy B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Men have cried out to me in sincere and despairing appeal. Doctor, I cannot go on like this. I have everything to live for. I must stop, but I cannot. You must help me. Faced with this problem, if a doctor is honest with himself, he must sometimes feel his own inadequacy. Although he gives all that is in him, it often is not enough. One feels that something more than human power is needed to produce the essential psychic change. 
Though the aggregate of recoveries resulting from psychiatric effort is considerable, we physicians must admit we have made little impression upon the problem as a whole. Many types do not respond to the ordinary psychological approach. Wow, this is this is showing us um, the humility and the sincerity of, of uh, Dr. Silkworth. I mean, he sees <coughs> these alcoholics, and he says, "Men have cried out to me in sincere and despairing appeal, Doctor, I cannot go on like this. I have everything to live for. I must stop, but I cannot. You must help me." The doctor cares about these people, but he sees his own inadequacy. He sees that everything he's learned, everything he knows, still is not making, it's not even making a little dent in this problem as a whole. And he realizes that there's something beyond human power that is needed. And and thank God that he was willing to express this. He he was actually willing uh, to see what would make a difference and to see that um, something beyond human power was necessary. And he was willing to put this out to the public. He was willing to write this. He was willing to say what we doctors know and do is not making is not making a very big difference. And yet we see that there is something that will work. We see that there is a, a psychic change that can be made if people will follow a few simple rules. And thank God, thank God that he had um, the humility and the desire, <laughs> you know, to really, really be helpful to these people, not to be worried about his own career, his own reputation, you know, what would people think? He didn't have the answer. He knew that there was an answer, and he was able to risk his reputation on uh, on telling the truth, on actually really, really caring about the patient, about the alcoholic. <laughs> and I, I just feel that we owe such gratitude to him for, for his ability to... Uh, to do that in his um, willingness to do that. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on these paragraphs? It's Rick. Rick, please go ahead. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, uh, Rick, compulsive overeater. I love that next to last sentence in the paragraph, and I I think it gets overlooked. Though the aggregate of recoveries resulting from psychiatric effort is considerable, we physicians must admit we have made little impression upon the problem as a whole. The doctor is telling us that people do recover from psychiatric efforts. There are other ways to recover besides the 12 steps. And sometimes we we don't admit that. But why don't we hear about these recoveries? We don't hear about them because they didn't work for us. 
That's why we came to a 12-step program because we tried the other methods and they didn't work. So let's not let's not um, you know exclude uh, other other methods that might work for some people. And the doctor right here says that it did. He said uh, the numbers are considerable, but what unites us is that we've tried those things. We've looked at those other solutions. We we tried to every way to solve our problem with food and we found that it didn't work for us and when we came here we found that the solution was not a psychiatric solution the solution was a spiritual solution it was a solution based upon developing a relationship with God and that's what differentiates us from other methodologies that people use to solve their eating problem. We don't hear about it in our rooms and in our fellowship because it didn't work for us. That's the difference. I'll pass with that. Thanks. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on these paragraphs? Evening. Judy, go ahead. Judy and Paula, thank you. Uh, I think that uh, the doctor is saying that that there is a solution, and we know that God is the power, and he's the only one that can help us. We have to have a personality change and a spiritual awakening and I pass thank you Judy Paula please thank you this would be Paula recovered compulsive overeater you know uh, as we read that first line and this man is appealing to the doctor I mean we can sense that the doctor's helplessness and by the way you know any good lawyer will tell anyone don't put it in writing mm-mm this man believed so in what was in this book from the beginning to the end that he put it in writing. And here you saw the love. Doctor, I cannot go on like this. How many times did he hear, that he hear this over and over? I have everything to live for. I must stop, but I cannot. He believed him. He believed him. It wasn't like some, oh, you can stop any time you want. Just not enough willpower. That's all. That's the only problem. But you see, in the line before, doesn't it go far beyond his desire? That's what had to be transformed. His desire had to be changed. And then it turned around and it says, the doctor faced his own inadequacy. Damn, I want to help him so much and I can't. I cannot because this goes so far beyond me. And he knew that. But look at what happened. He says there, and I just think it's so, as was said, one feels, ooh, feels to the very depth of them because he saw the very depth of them. He saw where this disease took them. Some were fighting and struggling all the way, and some just gave up totally. Ooh, now look at here what happens, that something more than human power is needed to produce the essential 
must be there. Cannot go completely and totally without that. The essential psychic change. And I just think that there, again, this is the beginning of the book, and we go to the end of the book. But, oh, by the way, all through the book. All through the book. And it says there, with few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource. It was there. It was there. Through all the the, the things that disease did and controlled in our lives, it was there, that inner resource. Most of us think that awareness, that this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of a spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness or God awareness. Give it the name you want, but they are the transformation. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Janice. Janice, this please is, go ahead. And I hear somebody else. Robin. This Robin. is Robin Leah. Thank you, Janice, and then Robin, please. Thank you, Leah. Thank you. So faced with this problem of a doctor is honest about himself, he must admit, he must sometimes feel his own inadequacies. You know, what a big admission for Dr. Silkworth to make. Yes, in this letter, he was willing, he was willing to put this down on paper, what his experience had been watching and trying to treat chronic alcoholics, people who sometimes might get some benefit from the psychological approach. In some cases, in some cases, he was able to make great strides with a psychological approach for some people. But these, these particular people, these chronic alcoholics, you know, he even says, he even says, one feels that something more than human power is needed to produce the essential psychic change because that's what they were trying to do. That's what his treatment was trying to do. You know, there would be a physical part of the treatment. He would do physical exercise. Um, uh, oftentimes, they'd do work in, in a pool. You know, they'd, they'd come down. They'd, they'd get detoxed. And then he'd try the psychological approach with them to the best of his ability. And sometimes, great strides could be made. But even he was willing to admit that sometimes, that human power was just not enough. And he would sometimes see that something more than human power must be needed because it just was not enough somehow in some of these cases. But he saw something. He saw something in this new way that he was seeing Bill W. and Dr. Bob and these new 100 alcoholics. They, were, they had a hold of something. They had a hold of something, this entire psychic change. And he was seeing it, and it was amazing him what was happening. Enough so that in his scientific background, he also knew that this was something new that was working. And he was happy to embrace it because it was working. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Robin, go ahead. This is Robin. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered, <clears throat> um, doomed. Psychic change, 
psychological approach. Um, I, you know, when I came into OA, it was uh, about 21 years ago. And in that first 10 years, I um, did not put down the food and I did not find any kind of recovery at all. And a large part of that time was spent not only going, you know, hopping from food plan to food plan, but also trying the psychological approach. And, you know, we all have problems, every one of us. And mine happens to be a dad dying when I was young and two mentally ill family members. And, you know, I spent, I talked to counselors and, you know, spent so much time navel-gazing about it without putting down the food and uh, nothing changed. So I'm an example, and may, maybe many of you <clears throat> also are, that um, we are examples of the fact that the physical um, approach alone doesn't work. The psychological approach alone doesn't work. Um, and then when I finally I put down the food, which was 11 years ago, and started working these steps with the guidance of the of the sponsor and trusting the process, allowing it to unfold, that approach worked. So what's the difference? Well, <clears throat> step one, you know, for me, step one, my personal surrender, and, um, you know, it was, it was a process of working the steps, doing what I was told to do, and the psychic change occurred while I was working the steps. It was like, I, in fact, I thought about it, it was like my higher power was fixing my problems in the back room while I was attending to other things, and the other things was working the steps. Just working through one thing at a time, I had such a spider web of problems when I came in. I, I had no idea how to un, to start unraveling them. And a psychiatrist would have told me, "Oh, I know what those what that spider web's all about. Let's start with your childhood." Ah, it didn't work. It just didn't work. But working the steps, trusting the process of walking through um, steps four through nine. Um, the you know, you know talking to God, being of service, working with others, going to meetings, all the, all the different things that we use, all the tools that we put into our day, those were the things that allowed that spider's web to start being pulled apart one strand at a time until it was clean and the psychic change had occurred. And then I had the faith, this process works. I had the faith my higher power works in my life. Um, so, you know, I'm an example. Physical change, physical um, solution didn't work alone. Psychological approach didn't work. For me, it takes a higher power. It takes um, first the power of the group, of the program, and then from there, the higher power, which to me is, is God. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Robin. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? Hello. Hello, Leah. Yes, go ahead, Rachel. Hi, hi, all my friends uh, and the vision for for you and Leah. Such uh, wonderful, wonderful things that I hear. Um, this um, other power, um, Doctor Silkworth, I I love him so much that I took a picture of him and I blew it up and I put it in a frame and he's sitting right in front of me here and smiling at me with that lovely, humble face, like uh, 
they said about him, the doctor, the little doctor who loved alcoholics, and I know that he loves us all, trying to go in this in his in his um, footprint of what he left for us here, which now is really the, the the pieces that are the most essential difference between everything that I've done in program before and what I'm doing now, and there's like sparks going moments of such incredible incredible feeling that that things are okay and that everything is fine and, and things get different but the power that is this psychology is not enough for us and, and, and medicine is not enough now I'm coming into contact with what else is not enough now technology came to the help that I sat yesterday with people who went through this um, bariatric um, um, bypass i i feel now from what we're reading that what they managed to do is to go to have a, a spiritual bypass so that they are now forced not to be able to eat and they miss out on all that we are getting here on the psychic change and the spiritual awakening and becoming who god meant for us to be what he meant for me to be and uh, i just thank you very much for helping me stick with it if after four years I can see as clear as I see now. Wow. Just unbelievable. But this the psychic change to allow oneself to do that. Not the 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 outside um um cosmetics of now being having been fat and now becoming thin. It's like putting a band aid on cancer because it's it's in the soul and um when Bill thanked Dr. Jung for what he contributed with Ronald Hazard, he said to him one of the things he said that we love you because you have shown us that man is more than intellect, feelings, and two dollars worth of chemicals. You are so dear to us. So he's very dear to me and will always be and this contribu- contribution of, of the doctor's opinion, which is unbelievable. Thank you for being there to interpret it to me, to mediate it to me, and to many other people here that I can really give it a good translation and, and not just translation, but what you're adding to it, every one of you adding to it really the perspective from people who already came to the other side of the tunnel that gives us the encouragement, gives me the encouragement to stay, to stay with it, to go for the whole thing. And thank you so much. And have a blessed day, everybody. I pass. Thank you so much. This is Leah. It says, faced with this problem, if a doctor is honest with himself, he must sometimes feel his own inadequacy. Although he gives all that is in him, it is often not enough. I mean, here's Dr. William Silkworth. Yes, we refer to him as a medical saint, as the little man who loved drunks. In his career, he worked with over 51,000 alcoholics. But he's admitting here that, uh, you know, there's limitations of his art, you know, that, that the men of science and men of medicine stand by these drunks' bedside and they are absolutely powerless to help the alcoholic uh, because no one can conquer that obsession of the mind. We are beyond human aid. It says one feels that something more than human power is needed to produce the essential 
psychic change. You know, although Dr. William Silkworth was a highly recognized uh, physician, he was a neurologist, he's admitting here, he's a doctor, he's not God. And these men and women are beyond human aid. They are beyond human aid. Just like I was beyond human aid. I was a compulsive overeater since I was a kid. And even after I learned the terminology and learned a little bit about the disease, I didn't know what I was up against. I didn't understand the way this disease would drag me by the nose. I didn't understand the depths that I would go. I didn't, I didn't realize that hell was going to get a lot hotter. I didn't see the writing on the wall. And my own understanding of the disease and my own awareness of the disease never stopped me from compulsive overeating. And I could go to meetings, and I could listen, but that was temporary relief. That was a temporary respite. You know, when I was beaten into a state of reasonableness, then it became uh, quite clear to me that i got to find a power, and that power's got to be greater than me. And God came through my wound. We experience God when the resistance stops. There is no spiritual part of this program. The entire program is spiritual. And that's exactly what people like me, a real compulsive overeater, needed because I was suffering from a malady which only a spiritual experience would conquer. And through enough suffering and through enough tears and through enough pain and through enough degradation that broke me down, God was able to revolutionize my life. And that's exactly what Dr. William Silkworth here is endorsing. He freely risked his professional reputation to endorse, to support, and to champion this new movement. And for that, I'm grateful. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Rose. Rose, go ahead. Thank you. Um, well, all, all along I've been wanting to comment, um, but everyone has has really defined it. But I, I really feel a need to speak personally because in the, in the past year, um, <clears throat> something that was said here against all odds I was supposed to self-destruct and and that was me um I June will be like 40 years ago that I actually first darkened the doors of OA <clears throat> and um this whole emphasis on um the higher power here and that the steps are the uh simple rules that are required to be followed I didn't I did not absorb that um truth when I came in and therefore as a result of not getting it not getting it that I had to do something I came in I admitted I was a compulsive overeater and um and fixed me so uh due to uh, God's grace um I never quite left OA and stayed stayed around and I thought when on when we were reading this last paragraph here, um, many types do not respond to the ordinary psychological approach. 
um, I wasn't in therapy, but I came came to the meetings and to the rooms waiting. And when I did the second step, or so I thought, um, <clears throat> uh, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. I never took it. I did not connect with what that meant. I had no personality change, no psychic change. And then I did not work work steps 3 through 12. Last year, um, about a year ago, um, against all odds, I was supposed to self-destruct. I come up to like 39 years of being around. And finally, the pain of seeing death or the, the hope, the possible hope that I could possibly get this program, um, the grace was given. But the grace meaning that something in me connected that God could do for me what I, Rose, was not able to ever get at. And it wasn't really a big, dark mystery. It, it was It was literally that... I um the surrender hadn't taken place and um and what has changed uh people said when I started doing big book step study process that there would be a psychic change there would be a personality change um there would be a, a spiritual awakening that I would see big chunks of truth about myself that had been blocking me off from God and and that it it would be different. I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't seeing it. But there was this thread of hope from these other people who said these things to me that actually connected me with coming to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity and, as it said, would if I asked. And I began that process a little over a year ago. And what has happened in this past year is blowing me away, except it's what's written in in this in all these paragraphs we've read. It's what's written. It's written like in my soul here. It's been given to me and and it says that um the only effort necessary being that required that was the word when we read that that paragraph that it is required to do the 12 steps. I didn't get it 40 years ago. I didn't get that message. And due to, I believe, the power, well, definitely the power of God, the power of the program, the power of having been exposed to it, that something resonated inside that said, oh, my God, how do I get this? And and, and it's gotten by work. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me talk. Thank you very much, Rose, and thank you to everyone who participated and shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Rebecca, will you please read a vision for you? This is Rebecca, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man 
who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.